Hello and welcome to the Mind Springs podcast with me, Alastair Appleton. I hope you enjoy what you hear, and if you'd like so to find out more the about the us, then visit mind-springs.org. The lineage tree of therapy, which as uh, some of you know... goes all the way back to the end of the, <coughs> the 19th century. So with Sigmund Freud, I'm sure it's a name that you're all familiar with. <coughs> and actually, I'm going to spin the clock back a little bit further to a ex-military hospital in Paris called the Salpetrier, which was the, big, the very nerve centre of early psychiatry. Some amazing French psychiatrists, proto-psychiatrists, back at the end of the 19th century, largely a guy called Charcot, but also a person called Janet, um, who were Freud's teachers. So Freud, back in the um, 1890s, considered himself a scientist, and he was very ambitious for turning psychiatry into a science and working with the, the psyche and the mind in a sort of scientific way. And all the way through his life until he died in, in 1939, he um, was waiting for science to catch up with his theories. <coughs> so he developed some very, I'm sure you're aware of them, some very elaborate theories about how the psyche worked, how human suffering came about. And he was always, you know, he was always tentative about his theories, but hoping that science would catch up and prove or disprove or, or work with them. Uh, so, so Freud studied under Charcot and Janet, and I'll come back to Janet a bit later. But um, so he was the granddaddy of, of, of therapy, and and basically Freud's notion was that our suffering comes from material that is in the unconscious. So he really invented the, the term of the unconscious. Although, as you probably know, there's also a Buddhist equivalent, um, and the unconscious sort of impinges on the present. So we're you know, going along our business and suddenly we're overwhelmed by this feeling of anger or hatred or you know, fear or anxiety or some hysterical um, or paranoid uh, feeling. And Freud probably rightly traced this back to our past. You know, that it's stuff from our past that has been pushed into the unconscious and is pushing out sometimes through dreams, sometimes through weird behaviour. Into our into our present day existence, and Freud's whole kind of therapy really was about moving people. He famously said, "What what I aim to do is move people from hysterical misery into ordinary unhappiness." So it's not a very ambitious. <laughs> you know, you might think oh, I could probably aspire to a little more than ordinary unhappiness, but Freud was very realistic. This is what he, he hoped to achieve. What was interesting about Freud, I think, a really brilliant thinker in many ways and so ahead of his time in so many ways, was that he still saw himself in the model of medical treatments, that he medicalized illness so that there were people who were sick and he was the doctor and he was going to cure them. And he knew the answers and these poor sick people had to submit to his theory and then they'd be healed. Actually, there was not a great deal of evidence that his, his therapies worked, which he admitted. Um, but, as you probably know, Freudian psychoanalysis became the absolute dominant 
vehicle of, of therapy for many decades after his death through his daughter Anna Freud in, in London, um, predominantly through the Freudian analysts in, in America, you know, the sort of people you see Woody Allen going to see in the, in the movies, these very severe, usually bespectacled, bold men, almost always men, who sit in silence while the, while the, the analysant just talks and talks and talks on the couch. Uh, and this whole model really emphasised the sense that the, the, there's someone who's sick and then there's an expert. And then in the 60s, when, when this, that model came to be questioned, there was a sort of second turning of the wheel of, of therapy, which came around the, the work of a guy called Carl Rogers, and as you know, this is known as humanist psychology. And this was much more the sense, actually, we're in this together. You know, I may, be the, I may be the doctor, and you may be you know, feeling really ill, but actually, we're all human. And, and what's important is not that I'm the expert and you're the sick person. It's much more that I show you care, I show you warmth, I show you empathy, I show you what they call congruence, unconditional positive regard. And so this was a really, really revolutionary change in the, in the sort of stream of, of, of psychoanalysis. It was much more kind of in tune with the 60s and the sense of you know, equality. And actually led to much more positive outcomes. When you look at the, the evidence, people started to get better sooner than in the, in, the, in the Freudian model. And then there was another sort of turning. <coughs> um, and this kind of splits off. There was the, in England, there was Bowlby, a guy called John Bowlby, who came up with a, a theory about what happens early in birth and in early child-mother pairings. And this was backed up by a lot of research. And it's sort of now the dominant theory about how, kind of, how, how we understand therapeutic, um, psychotherapeutic work. But at the same time, interestingly, in America, there was a guy <coughs> called Aaron Beck who came up with a, a way of thinking about illness which is called cognitive behavioural therapy, CBT. And this was interesting in the sense that it was much more about it was much less about what happened to you as a child, and it was much more about how you think about yourself now. So it was much more in the present moment. It was, you know, let's not worry about you know, what your mum did to you or you know, what happened to you in the past. What's important is that we change the way that you think now. So it's, it's cognitive. It's much more about being in control of your mind. And there's all sorts of reasons why. I think there's interesting reasons about why this might have been the dominant model in, a, in an America that was all about being in charge and being in control and like the individual is the most important and there's no such thing as society. And so, you know, you, you pay the doctor to change your mind, change the program of your computer and then you end up being a better person. It's a, it's a gross distortion of what CBT is, but in some ways you can think about it in those terms. Whereas the, the, the English model, uh, what they call um, attachment theory, was much more about the mother-child, um, what happened when you were a little baby, basically, and how that structures your brain. So this flows into a lot of interesting stuff, which I'm very interested in, about neuroscience. That actually, your brain changes according to <clears throat> what happens to you early in your life. You know, the, the neurons in your brain go in a certain way, and that kind of changes the way you perceive the world. 
So this is what, they, what you would call the relational term in, um, in therapy. So nowadays, those two models are the, are the ones that are certainly in Europe. I think in America too, increasingly, are the, are the ones that are predominant. <coughs> CBT, you know, changing the way you think, and relational therapy, which is thinking about actually how am I in context with other people. <clears throat> What's interesting is about the, in that storyline of that I've just run through of, of therapy that it, it, it airbrushes out some very important people. This is the sort of dominant story of therapy. But in that storyline, a few big names are have been kind of swept to the side. One of them is this guy Janet, who I mentioned right at the beginning, French um, psych, 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 before those terms existed really. Who was the what we might call the grandfather of a science called dissociation and trauma, uh, which is coming back into fashion. It's very interesting for maybe seventy decades, seventy years, seven decades. Freudian analysis they bombed it out. They completely airbrushed it out of the picture. You know, Janet was crazy. You don't listen to him. He didn't know what he was talking about. Largely because Janet criticised Freud for stealing his ideas. I think. Um, and then in the last 20 years, there's been this explosion of interest in dissociation, something I'm very interested in, as a, as a much more accurate way of understanding why we suffer. Uh, and the, the essence of it, I'm going to bore you with all the details, the essence is, is, is that we have trauma, something bad happens to us, it doesn't have to be a huge trauma, but a trauma happens, and we block out, we dissociate anything to do with that trauma, and that becomes part of our personality. So that, that was kind of airbrushed out of the thing, but it's coming back in. And then there's Jung, Carl Gustav Jung, who was a, a disciple of Freud, who was cast into the nether regions by Freudian analysis because he dared to question Freud. And Jung was much more uh, magical. He was much more about the, the sense of the imagination, the unconscious being a positive thing, that we needed to kind of grow into the unconscious, to welcome the kind of magical, non-egoic, things into our life so that we grow into what he called the self with the capital S. So this much bigger sense of ourselves. And we'll come back to this when we talk about the, e the ego a bit later on. And then there's a, a, another part which is um, around a guy called <coughs> Wilhelm Reich. If you come across him. He was a very interesting character, Wilhelm Reich. He was another apostate Freudian who was cast off by the, the mainstream. And in fact, he was persecuted through his whole life Persecuted in, in, in Berlin, went to Russia, was persecuted, and went to America, and then was actually persecuted there as well. In fact, died in prison, possibly under mysterious circumstances. Maybe famous for uh, featuring in Kate Bush's song, Cloud Busting. It's about Wilhelm Reich. But he came up with the idea of, um, that the, 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 the body was a central uh, element in, in therapy, and how we held our body and the traumas in our life kind of changed the way we held our body, and that was the thing that we could work with. We could actually work directly with the body in a way that freed up the kind of vital energy in, 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 a, in a human being. And interestingly, this has come back into fashion in, in therapy as well. There's a lot of more body workers and my teacher, Reggie, is very interested in how the body interfaces with uh, Dharma as well. So that's an interesting kind of loop back into that. So the, the body, the magical unconscious, and dissociation, these are all kind of airbrushed out and start, starting to come back in. So it's, it's important, I think, to notice what, what's missing in, in the lineage. 
Now what kind of it conveniently gets taken out of the picture. Thank you for listening and please do join us again for more podcasts from Mindsprings. You can find out more about us and our work at mind-springs.org. That's mind-springs.org.